Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is and always will be our top priority. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus. Built with the zero landfill promise, all waste is recycled or reused with more at PrestigeSubaru.com. RomanticAsheville.com. Create your perfect vacation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Plan your next getaway to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains by visiting RomanticAsheville.com. Nest Realty and Realtor Janet Oppenheimer. A senior resource specialist, Janet serves the Asheville, North Carolina area. Visit nestrealty.com and look for your trusted mountain community advisor, Janet Oppenheimer. And by Asheville Farms. Unlock the potential CBD has in your life with Western North Carolina's premier supplier of high-quality hemp and CBD products. Visit our store location at 28 Lexington Avenue in Asheville and by visiting AshevilleHempFarmsNC.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. This is Marilyn Ball. Welcome to Speaking of Travel right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. And remember, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website, that's speakingoftravel.net, and on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app, Buzzsprout, Pandora, and Amazon. And be sure when you visit speakingoftravel.net to sign up for the Travel Club. You'll receive travel news, helpful tips, and links to stories from people who help us make sense of music's emotional and social power. You know, music is a powerful tool. I know for me, listening to music helps balance my emotions and even helps me overcome some difficult situations. Without music in the world, many people would really not be able to find joy in their everyday lives. Interesting enough, I recently heard about some research showing how musical interaction actually increases emotional empathy in children. So when I was growing up, we were treated to free concerts with Leonard Bernstein called Young People's Concerts. We would get all dressed up and go to the concert hall and just sit in awe of what was happening before us. Imagine what we know now about music and empathy and all the children whose lives were forever changed thanks to the music. Thank you to Mr. Bernstein. Now, imagine if you were lucky enough to be a student of Leonard Bernstein. My guest today is Andy Tierstein, and he was a student of Leonard Bernstein. And today, Andy composes for film, opera, and movement theater. He's played on stage with Paul Simon and Pete Seeger, two of my very favorites. Not to mention, he's appeared on Broadway. 
His newest album, Restless Nation, reflects musically on his many travels and is inspired by the rich and diverse folk roots of modern culture and his roots as a folk fiddle and banjo player. And Andy, it is just so wonderful to have you here on Speaking of Travel today. Oh, what a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Marilyn. So, Andy, you have a rich backstory, and just by virtue that you were a student of Leonard Bernstein and probably went to those young people concerts yourself, give us a little idea of what it was like for you growing up and being so musically inclined. Well, those, yeah, those, those concerts were very, very cool. In fact, um, and I think uh, if, if you've ever, like, searched for that on YouTube or something, uh, it's the, <laughs> I love those those clips because you they pan the audience a lot and you see the kids in the audience just really having a good time and just uh, he was such a connector he really connected to people. Bernstein was somebody that just was a voracious lover of music. He uh, enjoyed um, music and teaching um, both of those things and conducting so much. So um, all of those things were. Uh, dear to him, and uh, so it was a great honor and pleasure to study with him. And I got to say that most of what I got from him was, was the uh, excitement about music that he conveyed. I mean, uh, you can talk about the particulars about what a teacher, you know, looking over a score will teach you, but uh, you know, the biggest trick to being an artist is to have the passion to continue doing it uh, because it's not easy um, as a life choice. And when you have that fire burning in you to explore and learn more and keep learning uh, about music that uh, Leonard Bernstein conveys, it really helps. Well, it certainly must have touched you very deeply because you've kind of followed in his, in his footsteps uh, throughout your career, being a teacher and a musician and a lover of music and, and, and certainly that travel part of it too. Let's talk a little bit about that. Andy, when you were growing up, well, were you part of a family that traveled a lot? Did you go on road trips with your family? What was it like for you growing up? Wow, I never, you know, not really. I mean, a little, a little bit, um, but not much in terms of traveling uh, with them. But it was a great family. I mean, my my dad uh, was a doctor who worked in a hospital, Mount Sinai Hospital, and my mom is still alive. She's ninety three. She's a, a, a choreographer and dancer and um, dance teacher. So, um, but. At a certain age, um, I was discovering, I'd studied a little bit of classical violin and classical piano, and I was discovering the fiddle and what, what a great thing uh, as an international instrument the violin is. So I learned when I was in my teens about all these um, incredible uh, folk festivals all around, and um, I started, it was the days of hitchhiking in the 60s and, I, I, and early 70s. So I started hitching around to folk festivals in the summertime with my fiddle, and discovered that you know if you have a fiddle you don't need a lot i mean you can you can sort of busk on the streets and uh and just keep going and and travel that way and it, it becomes a little uh a passport uh to all these different cultures i've played the fiddle in pubs in ireland and connected with people there and you know in in mexico and you know all over the world and it's just um it's a wonderful instrument for that so maybe in a way that was my ticket out of uh, first New York City and the suburbs um, uh, where I grew up. But uh, I, I used to play on the street in, the, in New York, up and down Fifth Avenue, um, 
you, you know, the cops would come and you'd move to the next block and keep going like that and then turn around when you get to the park and come back down Fifth Avenue. <laughs> and on the Staten Island Ferry. Uh, but, you know, the biggest departure for me in terms of the uh, traveling was uh, I chose to, to go. I uh, prevailed on my parents with this. They, they weren't sure about it, but to put me into this incredible school that really only existed for a short time called the Trailside Country School. Uh, it was based in Vermont. And I learned about it when I was skiing there on a ski trip with my folks. But um, it was a school that was like a, a school bus. And this wonderful guy, Michael J. Cohen, who wrote a book called My Classroom is Wild America. Um, he started this school. He and his wife, uh, Diana Becker, they started this school, which took 15 kids, high school kids, and in this bus and taught wilderness uh, skills traveling around the country in the bus. And the premise of the school is so terrific. Uh, it was that you should, um, it, was, it was based on work. It was like a work school. You go around the country and you work for people. Uh, you work for, we worked for an old, older and a Mennonite farmer doing, uh, harvesting uh, sunflowers, sunflower seeds. We um, worked for the Hopi Indians in Arizona doing, uh, repairing their adobe structures. We worked for a, a, um, an archaeologist in, 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 in Utah uh, so each of these places we worked, we, we put in time with these people doing whatever they needed to be done, building stuff, you know, harvesting, whatever it is, digging. And then, uh, in the evenings, we talked to them about their lives and, and hear about their work. Uh, what an incredible education that that's been a model for me ever since an experiential model. Absolutely. Well, you certainly were quite the vagabond there, Andy, as you were growing up and you must've had this I don't know, just this spirit within you that even taking to something like that kind of wilderness training education would be something that you would uh, foster into uh, a a livelihood as you grew up and making the kind of life choices that you've made. And when we come back from the break, I want to talk more about some of those life changes because I'll tell you, you know, hitchhiking, going out with your fiddle, and then fast forward to your life today, and all that you've seen and done is quite spectacular for a young boy growing up in the burbs of uh, New York. You know what I mean? Thank you. (laughs) Well, this is Marilyn Ball. I'm here today talking to Andy Tierstein, and we are talking about music and travel and uh, just a there's a lot to unpack here with Andy, and I'm excited. Andy, thank you so much for being here with us today. When we come back, we'll we'll pick up right here and talk more. I want to hear about. Uh, I want to hear a little bit about your clownness. I've heard you were quite the clown. So this is Marilyn Ball. We'll be right back. It's summertime in Subieville, which means it's time for adventure here in western North Carolina. Or more aptly, time to get outdoors and outgoing down a road less traveled. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. And off the beaten path, nothing says tough like the tried and true reliability of an all-wheel drive Subaru. There's a reason why 97% of Subarus sold in the last 10 years are still on the road today and ready for the next adventure. Discover the beauty of all-wheel drive at Prestige Subaru, 585 Tunnel Road, Nashville, or visit us online at PrestigeSubaru.com. Hello, fellow travel lovers. This is Toby Brown with Outdoor Africa. You may have heard me on Speaking of Travel in the past, as Marilyn and I love to get together and talk about all the exciting things happening with travel in Africa, particularly safari travel. 
If those conversations have piqued your interest, then I have some exciting news. Marilyn and I have put our heads together and come up with a fantastic safari to South Africa, and we want you to join us. This coming March 2023, we will be traveling to some of the great parks in northern South Africa to see the stunning wildlife and beautiful landscapes, and then jumping down to Cape Town for wine, penguins, and Table Mountain. So if a small group safari is on your bucket list, then visit speakingoftravel.net to learn more or contact me directly at toby at outdoor-africa.com or by phone at 828-216-1515. That's 828-216-1515. Join us on Safari and we can't wait to Safari with you. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars In other words Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with Andy Tierstein. He is just so many things. I, I don't even know where to start with you, Andy. You've got composing for film, for opera, you do the movement, and big fan of Pete Seeger. I want to talk more about that and that and your folk roots. But before the break, you were talking about just this experiential kind of education that you were able to get as a kid. Let's let's talk a little bit more about how you moved on from that point. Like what happened after you graduated from high school? Where did you go from there? Uh, I was interested in, 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 in writing and in music. Uh, so I went to Bennington College in Vermont, and um, a dancer asked me to write music for her, to make music for her dance piece, a dancer named Mary Lyman. I discovered this amazing thing about music and dance, that the composer and the choreographer get together in a room, and the dance world is so amazing, it's so experimental and adventurous and explorative that it's like you have this blank slate in front of you and anything can happen. So we started to improvise together, um, and I uh, we wound up performing where I ended up doing a lot of movement, and she played the flute, actually. So we, we sort of did both things together, music and dance. And I noticed that the audience laughed a lot whenever I moved my body. So I, um, I had heard about this clown teacher, uh, this man who uh, named Sigfrido Aguilar, who taught in Mexico. He, he actually taught at the Ringing Brothers School uh, first, but then he, he moved back to Mexico, to his roots. And um, I sent my $25 in to, uh, to study with him to Mexico. I never heard back from him, but I went anyway, hitchhiked down to Dallas, I think it was, and, and got on a flight, a cheap flight to um, Mexico City and took a bus up to Guanajuato. And I studied, I, I found him in the library and uh, he said he had no other students, but that he would teach me. So we started working at very, very intensive discipline, the clown discipline. We worked uh, starting very early in the morning, doing yoga and stretching and these exercises. And he taught me the basic skills of the circus, wire walking, unicycle, juggling, tumbling, uh, these things. We did it all day long uh, for weeks on end. And in the end, um, a few other students joined us. And then we started this little troupe. Los Comediantes del Silencio, the Comedians of Silence. And we traveled around to these different theaters. And from there, I um, found myself auditioning for a little uh, Mexican circus and traveled with this little Mexican circus from uh, Leon. 
and uh, we went in through the Yucatan doing this. It was sort of the great American novel adventure, honestly. It was, uh, I was the only gringo, and um, I was uh, Andresin, El Payaso Musico de North America. I was the musical clown of North America. And um, I learned a lot from that experience, obviously, uh, as you can imagine, not just Spanish, but also the, uh, the basics of performance, uh, of how to reach an audience, how to connect, and comedy and all these kinds of things. So, you know, from there, I came back to New York. I auditioned for a Broadway show called Barnum. And uh, for two years, I did that show uh, as a, a gypsy. I sang and danced with the chorus and played uh, several musical instruments on stage and, and was a white-faced clown on stage. And uh, again, I improvised with the audience before the show each, each night uh, for half an hour, which was also an incredible learning experience. Uh, so really fun training. And then after that, I... I um, uh, applied to this program at NYU that was just starting up called the Graduate Musical Theater Writing Program. I studied there with some great people, uh, Stephen Sondheim, Arthur Lawrence, uh, Leonard Bernstein. That's where we started to study together, or I studied with him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I was writing for musical theater. Uh, I started composing for musical theater there. I had already been writing chamber music and, and uh, my own compositions, but that's when I really started to narrow in on, on music composition much more. Andy, I'm telling you, this is just such a uh, a wonderful story that is, you know, really a timeless story. You had this initiative to go do things and found your way to Mexico, and you it was like you were kind of driven that I'm going to do this, and then everything that came from it. And it sounds like it was, if nothing else, so much fun that you were just having so much fun, <laughs> and and then being able to hone in and and get tighter and tighter. What happened then? I mean, you already were so successful. When did you realize that this is the direction I want to go, but there's so much out there in the world to do? How did you start kind of picking and choosing what you were going to focus on? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a, these are great questions. You know, I, I love the title of your show, Speaking of Travel, because it, it really is something that's um, that's worthy of of discussion in this at this moment when um, the whole world is sort of at our fingertips in some ways, but the actual experience of traveling, of going to a place, there's nothing to replace that. And uh, it's a moment when people are navigating different planes of identity and different realities. I mean, people really keep all these different identities in themselves now and are accessing that and looking for their roots and these kinds of things. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I found that traveling was a way to um, to open myself to to receive things, to hear things, and see things, and uh, otherness, you know, other kinds of people. And to me, I've always I've always thrived on that. Um, and uh, let's see, you asked about what what happened next, kind of thing. So let's see, I uh, you know I became sort of a freelance uh, composer. I I started writing a lot of music for dance companies in New York City. Uh, I wrote for, and, and my music was being performed by them, by these, uh, and commissioned by these companies, uh, like the Donald Byrd uh, Dance Company, which now became Spectrum Dance Theater in Seattle, and uh, Stephen Petronio, and uh, Liz Lerman, uh, Dance Exchange, many companies. Um, and as I said, I, I, I've always loved working with dancers, and I find it very, very exciting. And so... That just brought me into this uh, realm of composing a lot, and and then also continuing to sort of freelance as a as a musician who would perform 
uh, sometimes as sort of an actor musician, sometimes as a just a folk musician. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I did that for a bunch of years. And uh, when I married Olga, my wife is a Russian, uh, was born in Russia, Russian emigre and a painter. And uh, our kids uh, got a little older and we, I, I wanted to replicate that experience that I had on the Trailside Country School. I wanted to give that to my kids. So we, we got a pop-up camper on eBay and I, we took them out of school and uh, uh, on my sabbatical, uh, I left out this, that I had finally gotten a position at a university at NYU as a professor. So on my first sabbatical, we took the kids out of school and homeschooled for uh, nine months and traveled around the country. It's sort of in a similar way, just studying and working and, and going to uh, different places and, and listening to the park rangers give their spiel about the wildlife and the ecosystems and learning the constellations. And, um, and I brought this back uh, to come to my new album, which just was just released called Restless Nation. And uh, I wrote a string quartet called uh, Restless Nation, which was a reflection on those experiences with the kids uh, traveling. Andy, you you really are so gifted for one thing in all of these different activities that you do, and then the compassion and the empathy that you show towards not just your students but to your family that you've had these experiences, you're sharing them, and everybody's going to grow and and be participants in this life on a higher level, having this bigger worldview, being able to really soak in. So when we come back from the break, I want to talk about this album and what you were really thinking and and how this creative process works for you and what goes on in your head while you're composing. I can't thank you enough for being here. And Andy, also tell us, how can people get more information? Uh, I know you have a website. What's a website so we can be watching some of you while we're listening? It's just andytierstein.com, T-E-I-R-S-T-E-I-N. We like to say I before E, e except after T in my family. Uh, T-E-I-R-S-T-E-I-N.com, andytierstein.com. Um, and you can also go to uh, translucentborders.com, which is, we're going to talk about that coming up. That sounds great. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. I'm here with Andy Tierstein, and we will be right back, so stay tuned. Whether you're traveling to points near or far or traveling on a life journey, every transition is an opportunity regardless of your stage of life. If you, a family member, or a loved one is looking to downsize, retire, or buy or sell a home, contact your trusted Mountain Community Advisor, Janet Oppenheimer, from Nest Realty in Asheville. As a senior real estate specialist, Janet will help and guide you through any life transition one step at a time. Contact Janet at nestrealty.com today, helping you find that perfect home to fit your next journey. Nest Realty. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with Andy Tierstein. He is, I don't know, Andy, I guess I I think I really want to just call you that vagabond because you have traveled, you have 
tried so many new things and just put yourself out there. But I want to talk to you about your project that you directed at NYU called Translucent Borders. Tell us a little bit about that and how we can get more information. Yeah, this is a project where um, I, it was a research project I directed for four years. Uh, we finished it just before the pandemic hit, or a year before that. <clears throat> and it's um, a project looking at how dance and music function at borders around the world. So, and it can also be cultural borders, not just geographic. But uh, we went to Cuba, uh, to Ghana, and to Israel-Palestinine territories. Uh, and we went to each place three times so we could really get to know people in each of these locations. And um, we were looking to connect artists across borders. At first, we thought that we were going to go... Uh, some of the material that we had written up was about creating change at borders, but we quickly dropped that when we realized that it was more about listening and learning from people than it was about bringing any kind of change to them. It was insane. But uh, we did uh, have some remarkable convenings of musicians and dancers. For instance, in Israel, we brought people together uh, at the uh, Suzanne Delal Center. We brought uh, people who self-identify as Palestinian, uh, Arab, Jewish, religious, non-religious, uh, you know, all together in this place where we did uh, the same kind of um, improvisation and collaboration exercises that we do at NYU with the dancers and musicians. And uh, it was just a great family we kind of created with all these different musicians and dancers uh, over these years. In Ghana, too, Ghana has 67 different language groups, and um, they each have different uh, uh, dances and uh, music uh, traditions. So uh, in the end, we brought all these people, not all these people, but different people who we could afford to bring. We brought them together in New York City to do concerts at Lincoln Center and at the Jacobs Pillow Dance uh, Residency and uh, at NYU. So we did we did more sort of work together because we had the New Yorkers had gone out to meet the people in Ghana and in Cuba and all these places, but we had they hadn't met each other. So we brought them together in New York and did that kind of work. It was really something. It resulted in a documentary film about a half an hour long, which can be viewed on the homepage of, uh, of the translucentborders.com site. If you can spell translucent, you can get there. Uh, and, um, and also, there's a lot of information on that website. There's articles, uh, many articles on there about the different experiences we had traveling, and really about the power of travel and the power of juxtaposition, of cultural juxtaposition. Because as I mentioned in the, in the film, uh, you know, artists are drawn to borders in a way that uh, sometimes people are, 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 are uh, fearful of borders. You know, when you think about borders, you think about violence and all this kind of stuff. And it's true that they can be violent, but borders are seen by artists as uh, sort of the, a, a nexus, a place to see what people are doing over there, those people who are different from me, what are they doing? What, you know, what, what makes them do that? And, and it's kind of a fascination for artists, otherness. Um, so the, the project really was about that, was about bringing people together and working apart from language, working in music and dance, which kind of release you from those political discussions and get you more into dialogue in an artistic way, in pursuit of something artistic. Um, so that really was, was what that project was about. And it was a great experience. I'm very sad that we burned through all of the money, which was a whole lot of money that we spent every penny of bringing people all over the world together and stuff. Um, 
so that's over. I, I would love to have it continue, and um, maybe we'll find a way to do that. Well, I'm just going to stamp it right here, right now, that we're going to find a way to make that happen again. If there was ever a time, Andy, where we needed yeah. translucent borders, it's today. So mm-hmm. it seems to me that this should be a, a project that, sh- that could continue and maybe even help heal our world a little bit more. Well, so thank you for for doing that. And certainly if there's anything I can do or my listeners can do, we'll start a movement. Remember those (laughs) back in the day when we had a movement? Maybe it's time to start doing those again. Well, let's talk a little bit about this new album that you just put out because it's kind of tying all together with your life of uh, travel, uh, family, all of that. Let's let's talk about that. And, and you would talk to about, you know, finding your roots. How did this album and all of this come together for you personally to kind of get deeper inside of yourself? Yeah, well, it, it, in some ways, it was a reflection on the translucent borders experience. Uh, because it, as you said, it brought together uh, the restless nation, the title cut, the title uh, tracks, actually, there's six movements to that string quartet are basically a reflection of, uh, of that homeschooling expedition we mentioned in the first segment, which was, uh, you know, so each of the movements represents a different, a different feeling that the, the kids had, uh, whether it was looking at the constellations, whether it was being excited about hiking or whatever it is, all those things are hopefully reflected in those six different movements, uh, which also, since we went down to your part of the world and, and also, you know, through the Ozarks and the Smokies, we, um, a lot of it is influenced by Appalachian fiddling styles. So there are some retunings of the fiddle and stuff like that in, in, the, in those, those movements. So it's a blending of classical and folk in that way. Then there's, there's a whole symphony that I did, uh, a symphonic poem based on the works of Woody Guthrie, the music of Woody Guthrie, which um, I perform in a show called Woody Says. We just finished a month-long performance at the Merrimack Repertory Theater up in, near Boston. So this was a, a piece that was really about Woody Guthrie's um, notebooks that he wrote to try to woo his wife, Marjorie Mazia, away from her then-husband in Philadelphia. Uh, so he wrote these, these uh, school composition notebook letters to her. Uh, each one was full of drawings and musings and wine stains, you know, and uh, I got a chance to look through these. Uh, Woody's um, daughter, Nora, uh, gave me the chance to work in the archives, the Woody Guthrie archives, and look through some of the unset lyrics and the notes, and I found those notebooks there to Marjorie. Uh, and Marjorie, of course, was an amazing dancer who danced with the um, Martha Graham Dance Company. So, so there was a lot of connections there for me as a as a musician who works with dance and folk music. So this this thing, uh, letter from Woody, the symphonic poem, it kind of picks up some of the themes from Woody's uh, music. And uh, puts them into this this uh, piece for the Janáček Philharmonic Orchestra. Uh, from it's a Czech orchestra with harmonica. Actually, I'll play the harmonica in that piece with the orchestra. Then there's another section called Azazme Songs, which is a reflection on the trip I took through the Negev Desert with the Azazme Bedouins, with Yair Dalal, the marvelous oud player. It was his idea to fill the desert with music. So we traveled with this amazing group, his friends, the Azazmes who are um, really, in a sense, the, they're, they're really the essence of Palestinian because they are, they, they've lived on this land and they're a nomadic uh, people who travel through the Negev, uh, the Perfume Road and all that. Um, 
And everywhere we went, you know, the camels carried our instruments and we would stop in the evenings and take the instruments down and make music late into the night. And hearing these these Azazme Bedouin songs, I came back and wrote this quartet, which is for oud and a string quartet and Appalachian dulcimer. And it's based on the Azazme camel songs. Well, Andy, you're just living a charmed life over there. That's all I can say. <laughs> you are like... <laughs> wow. So tell us again how we can get more information, how we can find out more about you, Andy, Let's and, and also the translucent borders, how we can get more information about that. The best way is to go to the websites, translucentborders.com and um, andytierstein.com. I think you can also get to my web, website by animalstoneproductions.com, which is kind of by my name, badly translated uh, into from Teuerstein was the original, which means precious stone. But Tierstein, the mispronunciation, sounds like animal stone. So I use that as my company name. <laughs> You're too funny. You just improv all the time, don't you? You just know how to do it. Well, Andy, I can't thank you enough for being here on Speaking of Travel. I'd love to have you back on the show sometime and catch up with you more because it seems like you've got things happening all the time. And it'll be fun to stay in touch and, and catch up and you definitely need to get down here to Asheville sometime so we can turn you on to everything Appalachian down this way. Thanks so much, Marilyn. This has really been a pleasure. All right. Well, thank you so much to Andy. And I just am in awe of everything that he does. It's going to be fun to someday meet him. Well, I want to tell you that I have talked to many listeners over the past few weeks, and it seems like there is just a strong desire to travel today. So trust me when I tell you that the summer season is going to be very challenging. But with a little prep work up front, I think you'll be able to deal with it. Coming up next with some tips on what you'll need to know about air travel this summer is Tina Kinsey from the Asheville Regional Airport. So thanks again, Andy, and stay tuned. We'll be right back. Summertime is the perfect time to get out and explore North Carolina's Blue Ridge Mountains. Create your perfect vacation or staycation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Not just for couples, RomanticAsheville.com Travel Guide covers a nearly 100-mile radius in and around Asheville, North Carolina. With idyllic weather, beautiful scenery, and a variety of safe and memorable adventures, Western North Carolina is the place to be. Visit RomanticAsheville.com today. Fly me to the moon let me play among the stars and let me see what spring is like on jupiter and mars in other words welcome back to speaking of travel i'm your host marilyn ball well you know there is a lot to be optimistic about these days with such a strong demand for leisure travel and even business travel to a degree and airports are taking action by expanding flight routes and are finally gearing up to reap the benefits of a much needed rebound in travel as travelers look to make up for time lost during the pandemic 
Now, I've heard from a number of listeners who have told me that they'll be spending more time and money traveling. You know, for many, they're looking forward to longer overseas trips in the future. And what I'm hearing and what I think we're seeing out there right now is a lot of people will be doing what they enjoy and not looking to save money when it comes to traveling. The other day, there was an article in our local paper talking about how our airport, the Asheville Regional Airport, is on track to a record year despite this increase in costs. So if you do the math, fares seem to be going up through the rest of the summer and they're going to get dramatically higher. But according to Tina Kinsey, the Director of Marketing, PR, and Air Service Development at the Asheville Regional Airport, air travel to and from here has not let up. In fact, the numbers are exceeding their peak in 2019. And Tina, I am anxious to hear your take on what is going on out there right now. Well, uh, you're absolutely right. The article is correct. We are seeing record numbers of passengers at Asheville Regional Airport. And we are, we continue to be um, a really vibrant place, uh, a place where people live who love to travel. People who fly, uh, who live in our region are frequent travelers. Uh, and they, you know, many people work remotely and are traveling um, elsewhere for business or just are really uh, frequent leisure travelers. But we're also um, a, a bright spot, a destination, a national destination that is accessible via air. We are no longer just a drive market in Western North Carolina. We are seeing people from all over the country um, and international travelers as well coming to our area. So um, it's a boom. It's a boom. I mean, that's all I can say. And we've got more nonstop flight options than we've ever had in the history of this airport. We have frequent daily flights. Um, You can go anywhere or come here from just about anywhere. If you haven't been here in a while, it is a busy, busy place. Wow. Well, I can remember two, two and a half years ago, Tina, when we were talking and not knowing what was going to happen. Everything was just a downer. It was like we didn't have a clue where anybody was going to go from that point. And now we can see that, I don't know, some people call it revenge travel or pent up uh, travel. They, you know, they, they didn't go anywhere. They didn't do anything for a couple of years. They've got money saved up. And it sounds to me like even with the rising costs and the sometimes inconveniences that happen in travel, that people are, they're going to do it. They're ready and they're going and, and they're going from here and coming here. That's very true. And, you know, we talked about we're a destination, but let's talk a little bit about um, why we're seeing more people fly from Asheville than we have in previous years. One, because we have so many airlines and so many flight options, the word has spread. And so we're, we're passengers who start their trip at Asheville reside farther and farther away from Asheville Regional Airport. So we cast a pretty big net. You know, we're bringing in travelers who start their journeys, not only from Western North Carolina, but from Eastern Tennessee, from upstate South Carolina, 
And that's just the reality. We're seeing those folks come in because we've got great flight options. And so, and the convenience is still there. Now I will caveat that with, it is convenient. However, because there has been so much growth, travelers really need to be savvy and know that even though it is Asheville Regional Airport, you gotta get here early. You gotta get here two hours before your flight it can be tough to quickly find a parking spot during peak travel times. Our, our lots get really full. We do have overflow options, but that means you're parking farther away and you're taking the shuttle. And then when you arrive inside the terminal, if there are hundreds of other travelers checking in for their flights, you know what that means? You got lines, you know? So that's just the reality of air travel and a growing community. I mean, that's just, that's just the reality. Well, and I do want to say, because we've talked about this quite a bit over the years, is that all that really means is a boost in the economy in this region. And I think that's something that people also need to understand, that having this growth at the airport equals having growth throughout the entire community. And that's an important part. It creates jobs. Travelers who come here are high spenders. They spend a lot of dollars in our region, you know, so it is good for the region. And, you know, the airport, we're working very hard to plan and manage this growth. We do ask for patience because when things grow this fast, you know, there's a little catching up that happens. You know, you can't just magically create a whole new parking lot. You know what I mean? So while we have been working on plans and doing some, we've got some lots that are almost ready to open. Uh, they've, you know, we've had that those plans in the works for quite some time. This growth, you know, we're shattering records. We're shattering the high point that we had in 2019. And that is, that's significant. Well, what you said earlier about being a savvy traveler, as we start to travel again and get out there, it's still something of a privilege, I feel, to be able to get on a plane and go someplace. And we have to be able to be more mindful as we get out there and travel with people around us, to be patient, to know that there is customer service on the other end of the phone or the text and people are there to help you and it's it's okay. You just have to be patient and go with a smile on your face and be happy that you're even able to take this trip. So absolutely, absolutely. and remember just the what's happening in the world. There are staffing shortages everywhere and that is, we have them too in aviation. And that means more and with more and more people traveling and fewer people working, we're all doing the best we can to provide the service. Um, You know, I go downstairs in the terminal and I see people work working so hard to assist hundreds and hundreds of travelers every day, every hour. I mean, it's it's just really phenomenal, the customer service agents and the ticketing agents and the ramp workers and, and what they are doing, you know, to really make this all happen. 
And so I'm really thankful when passengers are patient and kind of have that context and understanding. Absolutely. It's always uh, amazing to me to see the the worker bees who are out there keeping it safe, keeping us as their number one priority and making sure that our trip is as stress-free as possible. They're they're like saints. So Tina, where can we get more uh, more information? I know your website is like always current. There's information about these nonstop flights. How can we get more info? You just visit the site at flyavl.com. And we have a lot of different ways you can either connect with us. Uh, we've got a monthly e-newsletter you can sign up for. We're on social media. We post all of our news releases on our website. And so we do encourage you to connect with us. Well, anytime you can do your research ahead of time, I say go for it. And you guys have just such a tight little website going on. It's always got good information. And Tina, I look forward to catching up with you again and uh, finding out more about the expansion as the year goes on and just keeping up with what's happening over there at the Asheville Regional Airport. That sounds great. Well, thanks, Tina, and thanks to Andy for being on Speaking of Travel this week. So I just returned from an overseas trip myself to Costa Rica. You know, I wanted to visit there for a long time, and like so many these days, I was going to go, and it was amazing. But as we set out exploring new places and immersing ourselves in other cultures, we have to be mindful of the places we visit. We really must be mindful when we go out and travel. Remember, we're visitors, and there's a common travel etiquette, not to mention customs and habits we try to be respectful of when we travel. So be the nicest version of yourself. Like we were talking about, do some research before you go. Pack appropriately. There might be certain modes of dress that are not looked on too fondly in other countries. Learn as much as you can about where you're traveling. I would even say learn a little of their language. And also do some research on airport etiquette. For instance, keep an eye on your kids. Don't eat stinky food. And please keep your shoes on. No one wants to see your bare feet or even smell them on a flight or in the terminal. So be ready when you reach security and be kind to everybody that you meet along the way. Just following a few simple guidelines will make your trip and all those around you be better. So be a polite traveler and just start with a few simple steps. If you're dreaming of traveling, there really is no better time to get going and start marketing off that bucket list. Because remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. 